This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Investor Mindset listeners, welcome back to another super fun episode. Just got finished interviewing Joey Murray of Wealth Without Wall Street, who runs an incredible podcast, a fantastic community, and is also an expert in the infinite banking concept. But what was really great about this episode was we really got into the mindset of how to think about making big change in your life. You know, he talks to us a little bit about how he left an extremely high paying job in the mortgage industry and kind of went down this alternative path. And the process he went through, the questions he asked himself to feel really comfortable and get ready to make that jump. Um, The other big thing that was a big takeaway for me was these keys to success that he gets into, talking about the importance of mentorship, how to find a mentor, uh, and how to build great community. We get into so many other things. It was a really fun episode. I'm actually going to be featured on his show uh, coming up very shortly. And I was very excited to be able to kind of dig in with him. So as you guys all know, if you're loving what we're doing, make sure you go drop us a written review um, on your favorite podcast app. Go over to YouTube and hit subscribe and enjoy some of these other videos that we're putting out on a regular basis there on on our YouTube channel. But I wanted to remind you guys that we're putting on this awesome online event. It's happening November 1st and November 2nd. Uh, It's going to be all online, all digital, and we're going to have over 15 speakers talking about the combination and importance of mindset in their real estate investing careers and how it's been such a pinnacle piece and how you can apply it in your life. We have some incredible speakers like Rod Khalif, like Neil Bawa, Adam Adams, Kathy Fetke, and so many more. And so I really have to tell you, please head over to the Investor Mindset set.com and join the insider club uh, so you can get information first on exactly what's happening there and you'll be able to see links to register for the event to pick up tickets and to uh, and to enjoy all the great speakers that we have coming and some more fun exciting news is going to be coming out at that event so please if you're even available even just to catch just a few minutes of it make sure you do or grab the recording so you can you can soak it in on your own time so without further ado let's jump into this interview all right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am very excited. I have Joey Murray in the studio today. How are you doing, Joey? I am just as excited that you actually said my name right. So uh, that's a great start. So. Hey, we, we like to kick things off on the right foot over here. So Joey has spent his career in the mortgage business, building up and becoming a branch manager of one of the nation's top mortgage lenders. And he was leading over 25 loan officers. And by 2010, he had achieved national recognition. He was making a ton of money. He was living the good life. But despite that impressive income, he felt like something was missing. And uh, fortunately for him and for all of us, he met his now partner, Russ Morgan, who introduced him to this whole idea of infinite banking concept. And uh, everything changed. And so Joey decided to join Russ and co-founded a company called Wealth Without Wall Street. And they teach people to stop trading time for money to achieve financial freedom, 
by following their five pillars of wealth without Wall Street. And uh, they run an awesome podcast. They've got a really cool community and they help people kind of across the board. So I'm excited to dig into your mindset and learn a little bit little bit from you here. Are you ready to jump into things? Let's do this thing. All right. I love it. I love it. So um, obviously you've, you've, you've had a, a, a successful career. You've done a lot of different things. Now you're focused on helping people get out of their own way so they can really be financially free. So why don't we start out by taking a look back? What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? And, you know, that's a great question. I had to think about this quite a bit. Um, you know, I grew up where money was really scarce. My my parents worked for the Salvation Army; they still do. And if you don't, if you're not familiar with that, the Salvation Army is a ministry. So you're constantly giving to others. Um, they didn't really make a ton of money, and I knew from an early age that you know if I was ever going to uh, get ahead financially in any way, shape, or form, it was really going to be through actively trying to make my own way. In fact, mm-hmm. I remember specifically my dad talking to me at one point, and I was probably in elementary school at the time, and him saying, you know what? If you're going to go to college, you got to get a scholarship. And mm-hmm. I didn't even know what a scholarship was at that time, <laughs> but I knew I wanted it because I knew that was going to be like my only way into college. I just knew they didn't have the money to help. And so... Yeah, I, I just kind of made that my goal. Is I'm gonna I'm gonna make this happen. So you you kind of grew up. You didn't have a lot because your family was so focused on giving and helping other people. But you had to find a way that you could go to college because you thought, hey, well, that's going to be the thing that's really going to get me there. What made you decide to put everything into that and make sure you could get that scholarship versus just kind of accepting that maybe you want to go down a similar path? And you know, just help people or do yeah. something similar. Well, I don't want to discount that. I mean, my my parents were very giving; they still are, and I feel like that was a huge, um, you know, foundational piece for me is to be giving. And, and by all means, I I am a big believer. Giving is the key to happiness. You got to be caring about other people and doing those kind of things. But you could have decided to just go down that same path that they were on, right. and that went to required college, or that went to required spending all this money and figuring out, hey, how do I get in? How do I even get there? Yeah. Well, I, I know this, my dad and my mom, neither one of them went to college. And I think that was always a regret for them. Mm. And so I think I borrowed that from them is that they said, you know, we really want more for you. We really want you to have more opportunity. But by the way, you got to do it yourself. Like you got to yeah. find a way because yeah. we don't have the money to send you. And so I think I just was like, okay, well, I'm a pretty simple-minded guy. Uh, you, you know, we don't know each other too well, but you'll figure that out the longer <laughs> we talk. And I just was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, how do you do that? Well, you get a scholarship. Okay, well, how mm-hmm. do you, you have to get good grades. Okay, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to just do the best I can. And so I, I distinctly remember if I didn't get an A, and this is even before grades even matter. You know, in fifth grade, I got a B. And I thought, oh my gosh, my life is over. Yeah, and then I realized, wait a minute, that doesn't report. So we're okay. I just kept <laughs> kept on that uh, A train um, until I got to high school. Ended up getting a valedictorian scholarship, uh, or I was valedictorian in my high school and got a full ride to school to, to University of Montevallo, where I went, uh, just south of Birmingham, where I live. And um, that was a huge accomplishment in my mind. Like 
that was like, okay, all this work was worth it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What is it that drives you? Like when you were a kid, if you think back and remember to when you were, you know, coming up and trying to figure out your way, what was it that was propelling you forward to stay focused? I think it was just that desire that, you know what, this is this is my chance to affect change, right? Mm-hmm. To be the first one in my uh, my family to go to college. And to see what that opportunity, that side of opportunity looked like. Um, so I don't know, that that was part of it. Also, I mean, I'm a, I'm a believer. Um, I love the Lord and I know that he, you know, I want to be excellent in all that yeah. I'm doing. And that to me was my ability to be excellent at that stage of life was to give, you know, 100% in school. Mm-hmm. Not to just lay off and... You know, so many other people around me were doing that, but I was like, you know what? This is what I'm called to do today: is to give 100 uh, percent in in my schooling. So that's what I did. Well, that kind of mindset really opens up the potential for you to really succeed because when you believe, like, hey, I'm going to just keep giving to myself, I'm going to keep giving to this thing, the focus that it's needed for me to get there, and not questioning it over and over again whether this is a good use of your time. You know, it's going to keep you on that path. Right, if we're heading in one direction right. continuously and we're pushing in that direction, it's gonna be a lot better than going in twenty different directions. It's really easy for us to get caught up in that. So, tell us a little bit about what you do, you know, career-wise, and kind of what what is your craft? What is it that uh, that you're the best at? So that's a that's a great question. We actually, um, as you mentioned, we launched a community recently, the Wealth Without Wall Street community, and we have these five pillars that we've just we've determined. Really, these are the ways if people will implement these things and stay focused, they can build wealth outside of the Wall Street grip. And mm-hmm. so those things are anything from tax strategies and uh, this all kind of follows under cash flow. So tax strategies and debt strategies. And we're not the experts in the tax strategies, but we have people in our community that are. Mm-hmm. And that's what we figured out is like, we need to be the expert in one of these and allow others to be uh, the experts in the others. So so tax strategies, life insurance. So infinite, the infinite banking concept really utilizes whole life insurance as a baseline savings and financing vehicle mm-hmm. for all of life. Mm-hmm. So whether you're going to invest in real estate or businesses or lending, those are the, the last three pillars, by the way. Mm-hmm. You need to have a good saving strategy. And really, when you're competing with a check in or savings account, it's not hard to beat that. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I'm, we're at the, the low end of the uh, totem pole there as far as what we focus on. But we're the experts in, in terms of helping people to set these types of policies up and then to coach them in the community on how to best utilize them as they're building wealth from that point. So that's what we focus on. That's what really... I got passionate about this as a client 10 years ago. And um, it took me about four years to finally make the the leap, but left my career to do this full time because it made such an impact on my family and the future that I could tell was coming. And so that's, that's where I kind of uh, focused in on this as a person. It's amazing to me. Everyone that I've talked to that has anything to do with whole life, um, and actually knows what they're talking about. Let's underline that. 
are very excited <laughs> about it and very excited about the potential. You'll hear somebody maybe have some questions about it or like doubt it. But usually when you kind of dig in, they're selling a competing product and they don't really know what they're talking about. But what was it for you that made this such a big impact on your life? And, and why was that? Why was that important? So I think, you know, the reason why we resonate so well with real estate investors is because we both um, have this kind of distrust with the market mm-hmm. at some level and we want to take control of our finances. So that's what I found myself in 2010 when I learned about this uh, to begin with. I was in the mortgage business. I had all the ups and downs of somebody that was self-employed, but I worked for a nation, you know, national bank. And so high commission sales, one month I was doing great. The next month I would, you know, fall back a little bit or whatever. And I never knew what I was going to be making. So the, the context or the idea of putting money into 401ks or IRAs or anything like that, that I couldn't touch for a very long period of time, left me really kind of questioning that model. Um, I started looking at things like 529 plans for college savings for my kids. At the time, I had two little girls. And I was like, you know what? This doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would I put money away that I can't touch that's subject to the market swings up and down? I mean, my income was already volatile. So why would I in, like put money away for savings that was volatile mm-hmm. that I could lose, mm-hmm. which I have whole stories about things that I lost in the market yeah. on top of that. But you know, all those things added up and I was like, I really need an alternative to this. Like I need something that's stable, something I can get my hands on at any time and that allows me to invest in things that I know and understand instead of this kind of veiled investment vehicle on the stock market that quite honestly, I felt like a puppet, you know, someone else has got the, the strings and I, my money is the thing that's at risk mm-hmm. the whole time. So being introduced to this infinite banking concept as a client, um, that started the whole track for me. Like, oh, I can take control. I can have access to my money. I can invest in things that I know and understand. Um, and, and nobody else is necessarily dictating that to me. So anyways, that was, that was like four years of being a client that I just started digging in and, and using these policies to do all sorts of things. And that it was finally to a point where I was like, okay, I need to do something about this. I need to actually be the one out there talking about it. Because like you said, there's not many people that know about it. And if they do, they really don't understand it the way that I've now personally at that stage you know, I had I had experienced it personally. So it it obviously made a huge impact on your life because all of a sudden you realize, like, hey, this is a vehicle that is helping me to do good things um, in my life. But tell me, why would you leave a job when you're making three hundred thousand or more a year, and you have a you know a new kid on the way to go and try something different when you've already got it figured out and you're already taking advantage of this tool that you're using? What were you thinking? <laughs> that yeah. said, I'm going to go do this differently. Well, I, I can tell you there was a lot of logic that went out the window at that point. <laughs> um, I, I can give you the picture. I was at a conference and this is, again, four years into being a client of utilizing these policies, of doing all these things. 
And I was at a conference and there was probably about 300 people in the audience. And these were the national, actually it was like the North American conference for people that are certified to do what we do in the infinite banking uh, concept. And I hear these speakers just time and time again, walking up on the stage, sharing with how they're helping this entrepreneur with this, um, this product and how they've, uh, this process has helped them to get ahead financially or this family or this um, church that they helped or, I mean, mm-hmm. these vast, yeah. vast stories about how they're helping them. And I'm just sitting there just getting just totally like, man, why don't more people know this? Like I, I've experienced something. It's almost like I felt like I had gold and I was the only one that knew about it. Mm-hmm. And so I look around the room, like there's just not enough people to talk about this. And again, I, I talk about my faith a fair amount. And ultimately I just felt like God was putting his thumb in my back. And it was like, why aren't you teaching other people? Mm-hmm. Why don't you take this and you, this knowledge that you've been gifted? I mean, I really feel like it was something that was given to me that most people didn't know about. And why don't you then turn around and give this away? And again, it was a huge thing to give up. So my initial response was like, um, because I have to give up my career that I'm really good at, that mm-hmm. I'm successful at. My wife didn't work outside of the house and I walk home I don't walk home, I drive home. <laughs> but I walk in, my wife's there at the, in the kitchen, pregnant with our fourth daughter. So we're up to four daughters by then. Mm. And I'm like, hey, hey, babe, I really feel like the Lord's telling me I need to do this full time. And she says, I think you should. Like without hesitation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, it was nuts. Because I, I knew she knew how much I had to give up mm-hmm. to do this full time. And I knew, so the fact that we were both in agreement almost immediately was like, okay, there's something to this and I need to pursue this. And um, so anyways, that was kind of the motivation. And what was going through my mind was, holy cow, I'm about to do this. And, and so that, that kind of sparked the whole deal. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Why you would, I mean, you had this feeling, it was just so clear. You went in, you went to your support system and your partner, and you said, hey, I want to do something different. So tell me, for the listeners out there, everyone's been through something like this, where they're like, I really want to make a change in my life. I really believe that maybe this is the direction that I could do it, whether that's with real estate, maybe that's with another business, maybe that's with another type of job or career. How should people be thinking about this when they're talking about really sacrificing, leaving one thing behind to go into the unknown of what could be greater. Yeah, so I think there's a number of different factors that go on with that. And for me, one, the the motivation to change has got to be strong, right? Uh-huh. There's got to be something on the other side that is going to provide what it is that you're looking for. And to me, that was the uh, the ability to impact others. I knew I could continue to be successful in the mortgage business, I was doing over 20 loans a month personally and leading 25 loan officers. And I got a lot of fulfillment out of helping uh, that many people with their their financial decisions as it relates to their mortgage. Mm-hmm. But I knew that that was just really short-sighted. It was really just one step in ultimately like financial freedom. I knew a lot of people were 
struggling with their finances and looking for alternatives. So this was just one way. I was like, okay, I can impact so many more people by doing this. So that's one thing. The second thing I would say is that you have to, it can't just be a fun idea mm-hmm. or you know something like, I think some people make decisions based on, well, this is what's really good for me or I get a lot of joy out of, but it, there's really logically no way I can make money doing it, right? So <laughs> I had to stop and say, can I really be successful in this? And really the same skills that I was utilizing in the mortgage business are the same kind of skills that I need to do what I do today. It's really communication Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that was logical. The third thing I'd say is, you mentioned it, is your support system has to kind of confirm these things. And so going to my wife initially was was huge, having her support. And then I have, you know, always had mentors that I've looked up to that have been there at various different points in my life and there's seasons where these mentors mm-hmm. come and go. But I sought those people out and I said, okay, am I just being crazy here? Mm-hmm. Like, you know me well enough to speak into my life. I'm giving you the floor, right? Mm-hmm. Please tell me if I'm being irresponsible and you know it was amazing the responses that i got back were just confirm 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 and so it, it that whole process was about 4 months long mm. from the time i had that kind of gut level okay joey you're supposed to do this to the time that i actually pulled the trigger um and so anyways that's those are just kind of some tips or at least what was going through my mind and my process I think it's important for people to recognize that there's a lot more that goes into a decision like this than just this feeling of passion. Even though I'm a big driver, I'm a big believer that people should be driven towards things that they're passionate about, that they really care about, that they can get fulfillment out of by helping other people. But you went through a a process here where you asked yourself a number of questions and you wanted to figure out, well, what is going to be the right thing for me and my family? Am I crazy here? And you wanted to go check yourself by getting outside of yourself, you know, talking to other people that you trusted. And, and by doing so you end up, you end up feeling probably a lot more confident making the jump because you've at least gone through. And even if everything falls apart, you've probably thought through, well, what, how do I get back to the mean of where I was before? That's right. So, yeah, I think you you made a good point about the passion. Really, I think of that almost like a gauge, right? Mm -hmm. There's a gauge on your dashboard that, man, that passion starts to go off the charts. That's not necessarily to mean that I have to do it, Mm -hmm. but that's something that's a, that's definitely something that's an indicator. It's like, okay, how, where does that lead me to? I need to pay attention to it, but I don't necessarily need to just, blindly jump into it because all of a sudden I had this feeling or this passion kind of jump off the page at me. It's like, okay, where does that lead to? Where mm-hmm. I, This is leaving me a clue. Now I need to follow that down the path. Yeah, that makes sense. Don't just rush after the passion, but recognize that, hey, this is an indicator that this could be something that might be a really great thread for me to keep pulling on. Absolutely, 100%. So talk to me a little bit about why you feel like you've succeeded making this transition, going into this field, um, when so many other people who jump into insurance and consulting and really helping people figure out how to set their financial future up have failed 
but you have somehow succeeded. So talk to me a little bit about what you guys have done differently. So I think there's a couple of things and really it comes down to this. We are not trying to hold on to and hoard knowledge. Mm-hmm. I think that this this industry as a whole is very kind of territorial, like, oh, I don't want you to know what I'm doing. And, you know, you might steal the, the client base that I'm working on. Like, we, we've actually just in the last year, uh, really six to eight months, we've been invited to speak on two different stages of our peers because we're literally just open book. Like, mm-hmm. hey, this is what we're doing. This is how you can grow your business. Because quite honestly, I, I mentioned the fact that there's only like three or 400 people that are certified to do this sort of thing across the country. I mean, how many hundreds of thousands of clients could we all have <laughs> and and not run out of opportunity? So it's just really a, an abundance mindset, I think, that sets us apart. Mm-hmm. And then number two is really... I think a lot of people focus so widely on, okay, I, I need to find new clients. Mm-hmm. Well, what we really did, especially this was in 2000, end of 2017, is we realized that really our clients are the best people to invest in. Mm-hmm. They've already, they already know, like, and trust us. And if we can just educate them, if we can just provide them and equip them, they're going to be the best source of referral for us no matter what. And so everything we've done, even even our podcast, you mentioned that we have a podcast. You realize we started the podcast just as a way to have a weekly conversation on a scalable scalable process with our clients. Mm -hmm. That's all we wanted to do. And what we found was is that if we if we prepared our messaging and our podcast with that in mind, mm-hmm. all of a sudden we had people all across the country listening, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Wait a minute, you guys are sharing stuff that I want to know about." And we're like, "But we're not talking to you; <laughs> we're talking to our clients." And but yet, um, it's consistently turned into tons of people raising their hand saying okay, I want to do exactly what you talked about on this episode, or I want to talk, I want to, talk to you about how you applied this from this episode. Um, and it's been amazing. So I think focusing in on taking care of the people that already know, like, and trust you and being abundant has been, I think, by far the things that have helped us grow a business that is is now at this level. I mean, and when you come to at something from a place of, hey, I'm going to give first, and I'm not going to have a lot of expectation. I'm just going to be open. And through that process of being open and authentic, other people are going to be open and authentic back. It's going to pull people in and attract them. Um, I've noticed that is something that's really popular within the real estate space. And that same feeling that you talk about where people want to hold their ideas back and not share is also common. But the folks that I, I have seen that have the most success are usually also the ones that are you know, in different mastermind groups and are sharing openly the fact that this is the way that they're going after clients or this is the comic, you know, communication or this is the the secret formula that they're using. In reality, by them sharing, they're getting so many so much more back. And if we all just came at life from that kind of perspective and didn't try to think, well, shoot, if they know we're going after real estate investors, then <laughs> 
then it's going to screw up my whole thing. I mean, it's not yeah. a surprise. I mean, if anybody in the industry just looks at what someone else is doing, you're going to be able to figure it out. You might as well just be able to be open about it and everyone can <laughs> yeah. learn and grow together. Well, and I, that's what I love about your show too, Steven, not to like give you like a, you know, blow blow the smoke up your skirt or whatever, but you have a great show because people are on here sharing the things that where their mindset is and and you're you're pulling out the great things that people want to know. You're adding value. And so you're attracting people that probably otherwise wouldn't have even known who you are. So and and here's the thing, your show isn't like a big money maker. In fact, I know that from our experiences, we've spent a lot of money creating a show just to help invest in our clients. And all of a sudden it's come back in spades. And I'm I'm sure that you're you're seeing um, similar similar results because of the the caliber of guests that you have and, and and other things. So hats off to you as well. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we we do this kind of stuff because it's fun. Because it's fun to help other people and inspire other people. Because this information that I'm talking about, which is very similar to the information that you're talking about for you, is stuff that's made a big impact on my life. And if I can help introduce it to even one more person. I've succeeded on my mission, even if it costs me a bunch of money to do. Um, now, if it ends up turning into something that can you know, come back in spades, great. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> but if we come from this give first mentality, then it doesn't matter whether or not that comes back because we weren't expecting it. We didn't have that expectation going in. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, you know, as somebody who is you know, obviously, from a lot of people's perspective, hit success and then transition to another industry and hit success, how would you define success and what is success to you? Man, I tell you what, I, the older I get, the, the more this kind of takes on a little different spin than I would have expected. And I think, so now I've mentioned, I don't know if we talked about this or not, but I have five little girls. Mm. Well, I can tell you this, that is a full-time job in and of itself but it's the job that I want to be successful at, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to ever look back and say, man, if only I had spent more time with my daughters or invested in them to where they have self-confidence and where they have their worth is not like they know where they stand with their dad. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so... All that being said, we've really, and and really Russ, my business partner and I are on the same page. He's got four kids, I've got five. And we are adamant about creating a business that we own and not a job that we own, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's been a huge mindset shift for us over the last several years is, okay, let's, let's not just continue on the same path that is going to create more of a job for each of us. Let's create a business that will give us the freedom Mm -hmm. to where we could have geographic freedom, right? Mm -hmm. So like last week, uh, my business partner was at his lake house for 10 days Mm -hmm. and the business was running just fine. Mm -hmm. And I'll be taking off a week in October and I have no question that, hey, this is this is going to run without me, right? So I guess long answer to your question (laughs) is success to me is there's a balance to financially making a ton of money, but at the same time giving at a high rate 
and also creating time freedom and geographic freedom. So as we homeschool our daughters, I want to be able to take them with me Mm -hmm. on trips, whether it's a business trip or a personal trip. And, And so anyways, all that being said, I feel like we're on that path and we're making decisions in light of that so that we don't continue to kind of tie ourselves down unnecessarily. So I... I can take a lot away from that. It it seems like you've been very specific in defining what kind of life you want to live. And I'd love for you to like expand on that a little bit, but it seems like you've been very specific in defining how you want your life to look. And so you're making decisions in both your life and your business so that you can meet that vision that you have rather than letting all these different random opportunities just come up and you can say yes to them, but then all of a sudden, boom, you're locked into something that's really different than you were hoping for in the first place. Oh yeah, 100%. I think if you don't really know where you're headed, like if you don't, that's why I love this question, what is success for you? Well, there's some people and you've probably interviewed them and you've spent time around these type of people. On the outset, they look like they're really successful, Mm -hmm. right? They've closed... 300 homes this year or whatever it might be. Yeah. But their lives are a wreck. Yeah. Right? Like their marriage is in the shambles. Their kids don't talk to them. I mean, there's no way uh, their health is at an all-time low because they've just done, you know, you think about the wheel of all the different types, like relational health, um, financial health, um, marriage, you know, kids, all these things. If if one of those things is out of whack, I mean, that that's like a bumpy ride, mm-hmm. you know? So how can we get all the spokes of the wheel working in the same, in the same, you know, level so that we do have ultimate success? And I think the funny thing is, is if we focus 100% on just the financial, which I think mm-hmm. has driven entrepreneurial people, like that's the easiest thing to focus on because it's quantifiable. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, well, I made 300,000 last year. I make 600,000 this year. Like it's easy to see those numbers and and feel successful. But if all the other things are out of whack, you're, you're never gonna be successful long-term. It, it'll be short-term at best. And the other thing I found is if I do focus on making my business and my life successful, in, in its entirety, honestly, the finances actually go through the roof. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's funny how that all works. I think a big thing, and this is totally my hallucination here, it could be totally off, but I feel like a big reason that people focus on the finances is because they were told or they grew up either without them or with a lot of them. And they feel like, well, if I'm just financially sound, everything else will be easy. And it's the one thing that they know how to easily manage or easily measure, right? So if they're looking right. at their scorecard and that's their bank account or their P&L, they're able to see like, holy smokes, I made a ton of money. Like things must be going well when it's harder to evaluate on a numeric basis whether or not your marriage is intact, whether or not you are living up to the health that you want or the happiness or the fulfillment. It's harder to just throw a number at that unless you're very intentional about how you're going to measure that. And it's not exactly the easiest scorecard and everyone's going to have a different one. And so that's why I really think it's really important for all the listeners. And I know for myself as well is to be very intentional about what that life is that you want because it's easy to get pulled in. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're running a business that's really running you. 
Absolutely. That's what I was going to say is if you're not proactive about building the life that you want, your business will reactively, like it'll make you react. And, and I think that that's, again, uh, we're not doing this perfectly by any stretch of the mind, but I think what we've tried to stay consistent with is let's keep that picture no matter what comes along, like you said, the shiny object or, oh man, we can make so much more money if we do X, but that's going to create more of a burden on us. Yeah. Let's not go down that path, right? So anyways, just just my two cents there. I mean, it's just so easy. I can just talk from personal experience. I know that even Mr. Mindset over here, having intention, having <laughs> goals, having this vision of a life that I am after, I've had at times in my business and just recently went through one where all of a sudden I realized I looked around and I was like, well, the, I'm doing all the things because I think it's what the business needs, but it's not necessarily creating the outcome that I want. And therefore we have to make dramatic changes. If, if, right. if you let something go on too long, you got to like hardcore make a change versus being able to be intentional and checking in on a daily basis. And that way you just make little shifts instead of having to make these huge ones where all of a sudden now it feels like you're rocking the boat. Yeah, absolutely. But don't be afraid to cut the fat, right? Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to cut that thing that is standing potentially in the way, even a good thing, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes it's not the best thing. Uh -huh. So we, we have a good thing and we don't want to let go of it. It might be that one client or that one, you know, there's something there that was actually producing revenue and you don't want to let it go. But you know, if you don't let it go, the opportunity cost of what it could be is huge. And so, yeah, don't be afraid to, uh, to take a step back to, to really run forward. A hundred percent. It's easy to get distracted by things that are good enough on the journey to find things that are amazing and great. Um, so on a similar note, talk to me about what are some of your keystone habits, the things that you do on a daily or weekly basis that have led you to live in a good life? So I definitely have room for improvement on this. Um, I am not going to lie. I, I think one like foundational thing, and again, I'm not perfect at this, but I always want to try to start the day in some way, shape or form, really spending time in God's word. Uh, whether it's listening to a sermon, if I'm running out of time or actually reading that, I think that that grounds me. Um, it, it definitely helps me keep the most important thing, the most important thing. Um, I think my days are not hundred percent, you know, every day the same, which mm -hmm. I think is probably normal, but it, it, you get the idea of listening to a lot of people on podcasts and stuff like they have it all figured out. And it's just this regimented thing. I'm not that way. Um, mm -hmm. I wish I was a little bit more regimented, particularly with working out. Um, I'm very inconsistent with that. But mm -hmm. I do have a really strict diet mm -hmm. that um, helps me to kind of stay focused mm -hmm. and also for health reasons. And um, beyond that, I'm just trying to spend as much time, whether it's making my kids breakfast or it's uh, being home for dinner every night, those things are really important to me. And, um, and those are kind of the more the habits. I do read a lot. I've read a ton of books. Uh, mostly I listen to a ton of books, books on Audible. Mm -hmm. but, um, but those are some of the key habits, I guess you could say. I feel like people sometimes get caught up in this comparison trap where they feel like, well, 
habits are what drives our whole life. And I'm not following every single one that I know I should be, but that's okay. We all have it. You know, we all do that from time to time and I fall in and out of it. But on the diet front, I'm very curious. That was one that you said you're very specific about. Tell me a little bit about that and what it does for you. What is, what is that diet? So uh, I don't know that it necessarily has a, a specific name, uh, but one of my doctors really, um, I, I got ulcerative colitis about five or six years ago, mm-hmm. and that is no joke. So you want to be as careful as you can about what goes into your body after, that, after learning about this. So I'm on, I, I basically don't eat any gluten. I've cut dairy and um, uh, don't, I don't have any corn or soy in my diet. So mm-hmm. really it's just a lot of meat and vegetables. It's um, every once in a while I can have some dairy-free ice cream or something like that mm-hmm. as a little treat here, but uh, lots of eggs, bacon, stuff like that. So we just made it a part of our lifestyle. One of my daughters is gluten-free. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, this it's really been helpful to keep me sharp. I don't mm-hmm. have these like big swings during the day where in the afternoon after lunch, I want to take a nap or something like that. And mm-hmm. I, I remember those days. And, uh, and so this very different, I sleep better. So those are the kind of things that uh, just kind of power me. You know, everything you put in your body is going to either power you or, or take away energy. And that's really been helpful for us to, to live that lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. I so food as fuel is such a key mindset change when you start realizing that what you're putting in is exactly what you're going to get in output. I know that recently I changed my diet. I stopped eating gluten. I have, you know, cut out dairy for quite a while, but it was it, it was amazing to me and for you out there, I was probably just like you. I thought it was all a bunch of BS and yep. uh, you know, sure maybe there's a few people who it's real for. But I stopped eating gluten and I stopped having brain fog, which I have had my almost my whole life. And it was very inconsistent. I couldn't lock it down. But I was trying all these things and I had somebody um, close to me tell me, hey, this is something that made a big difference in my life. And wow, it's it's been dramatic. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy, the effects of that, that. But it all makes sense, right? In fact, I had a doctor recently tell me that really your gut is what drives everything. Everything's connected. Mm-hmm. And we like to think of it as totally separate. Like, oh, well, my brain is up here. My stomach is down here. So those things can't be necessarily connected, but they all are. The nerves, you think about the nervous system is all connected. And so anyways, that was, that's was that been a game changer for us, for sure. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. So we've made it to the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. So tell me what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're excited about right now? So hands down, the the number one book that has changed my total life, I mean, it's what we've been talking about is my journey to really coming into this business was uh, Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. Uh-huh. This is, I mean, it's a short book. 88 pages, but the concepts and the baseline foundational information in it are just paramount to what eventually made, again, four years in, I end up changing my career, dropping a very good career to do this full time. 
And uh, and I actually got to be personal friends with Nelson. Mm-hmm. He was he actually just passed away earlier this year, and it was um, an incredibly sad time. But at the same time, just thinking through his investment in me personally as a mentor, uh, he he was a, a profound man. And um, actually, just this last Friday night, I was having dinner with some guys, and I sat with a guy that said. I was telling him a little bit about what we do. And he said, you know what? Wait a minute. I sat with a guy. I used to be in book publishing. I sat with a guy and he was telling me about this concept. And I said, okay, when was this? Oh, like 1999, 2000. He met with Nelson Nash when he was getting his book published. No way. And he had a, a picture from his bookshelf of the original manuscript or pre published book. Uh, you know, manuscript on his bookshelf. Wow. And I was like blown away that this guy had met Nelson at that stage. But anyways, that's by far the most impactful book for me. I read a ton of other books I'm happy to share, but that that's definitely the one that uh, made all the difference. I love, I love that. So from an inspiration standpoint, you just shared one of your mentors. Um, who are some of your other mentors? And more specifically, how do you look at going out and finding great mentors in your life? So I think just as a part of my, uh, even since college, I've always had one or two older men. They're, they're a few steps ahead right? Mm -hmm. Maybe, so right now my oldest daughter's 13. So I'm constantly looking to men who are, let's say they have college age kids, Mm -hmm. right? Or they have kids, you know, I'm going to be looking for that person that's just further ahead and they've just had kids get out of college and they're getting married and things like that. Because I, I know that there's so much benefit in and looking at their notes, you know, mm-hmm. it's almost like give me the Cliff's notes yep. on what you've already experienced mm-hmm. and what where you failed. Mm-hmm. You know, I think asking people what would they have done differently is a tremendous thing. And um, so I had one in particular mentor I'll mention is uh, his name was Ronnie Norris. He actually passed away a couple years ago, and uh, he was he was the businessman that I always wanted to be because Mm. he was that guy that um, came up through a business. It got sold to a larger business. He, you know, again, on the outset, he had success. Mm -hmm. Everybody could look at him. He was a part of a very prestigious um, country club here in Birmingham and uh, had this beautiful house and family. But the big thing that I learned from him was he was constantly giving, mm-hmm. giving of himself, giving of his time. I mean, if there was anybody that should not have been meeting with a guy like me, you know, six years ago when I came to him, I said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about making this change career-wise. He was like, um, can you come by the house this afternoon? Mm. And I was like blown away by that. Mm-hmm. Because again, that kind of guy doesn't have an open schedule, mm-hmm. right? He had to move things around but he he thought enough of me that he would literally clear a spot so that we could sit down and really start to to talk this through. So anyways, that's one example, but again, I'm always there's seasons. There's yeah. been multiple mentors along the way and they come and go and again, I think that's just the Lord kind of orchestrating uh what what you need at the time. 
but just always be looking for those people. That's just some advice. Wonderful, wonderful advice. And so finally, from a purpose perspective, what drives you to live your best life every day? I, I again, I think of it as just my relationship with the Lord. Like this is ultimately um, a, a blip on the radar screen as it relates to the future, right? Mm-hmm. What I do today has a profound impact and I don't need to take that lightly, but ultimately the Lord is, I want to work as unto him in Mm -hmm. terms of excellence. Like I want to give 100% of myself today that it would would glorify him in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And it's not always perfect. Like I said, he doesn't call me to be perfect, but ultimately how I relate to my wife, how I relate to my kids, how I um, view this business, Mm -hmm. um, how I deal with, you know, hiring and firing in that process, which I know we don't have time to get into all this today, but I ultimately want it to reflect him. Mm -hmm. And and that's kind of what gets me up in the morning, that gets me through the very difficult things that we have to go through. And uh, ultimately that's where, you know, that's where I want to spend and be spent, if you will, um, is doing those things. Well, this has been awesome. It's been really great digging in. I I know there's going to be around two or three or four here for us. Where can people find out more about you and get in touch? So um, we actually just launched a community. So I want to highlight that if anybody wants to learn more ways about Wealth Without Wall Street, it's... um, community.wealthwithoutwallstreet.com. You can gain access there. I'm obviously very active in there every day. You can message me in there if you want to. Otherwise, you can just check out our website, wealthwithoutwallstreet.com or our podcast. You can listen in. And again, that's just on iTunes, Wealth Without Wall Street. Wonderful. Well, this has been so much fun. We'll make sure to include all that information in the show notes. And I look forward to the next time we get to have some fun conversations like this again. Hey, man, it's been my pleasure. And you do a great job. I love the show. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. 